One of the beautiful things about the summer is that it creates space to end one school year and to start another. But have you ever felt like you are on summer break but never really got a break? Or have you ever dreaded the start of a new school year because you just felt like you weren't ready and weren't able to do all the things that you had planned to do prior to the new year starting? If you've answered yes to any of those questions, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Dr. Terrence L. Green. I'm a tenure professor, and I've helped to prepare hundreds of racially just and anti-racist school leaders, and I want to help you. That's why I created this podcast to provide you and your team with real-world insights and practices that work so that you can collectively build racially just schools. On today's episode, I want to share with you three practices that every educator should do during the summer. If you're ready, let's go. Schools Podcast, the show that provides resources to help you and your team build racially just schools. Now, here's your host, Dr. Terrence L. Green. Welcome to the Racially Just Schools Podcast. My name is Terrence L. Green, and I am your host. And yo, I am super grateful that you are here and spending your precious time listening to this podcast. I'm super excited about today's episode because on today, we're going to be talking about something that I think is super important for any and everyone that does any type of work in the field of education, whether you are a paraprofessional, whether you're a classroom teacher, whether you're a principal, assistant principal, district administrator, paraprofessional, custodial staff, administrative assistant, no matter what you do um, in the field of education. Today, I want to talk to you about three practices that every educator should do during the summer. And this is not, you know, like must haves. You got to do. These are invitations. These are encouraging encouragements um, for you to engage in these practices, not just only in the summer, but intentionally and purposefully in the summer. So I'm super excited about this episode. And so let's get right into it. The first practice I want to talk about is rest. (laughs) Yeah, this is a practice that every educator should engage in, Um, not just during the summer, but explicitly during the summer, is this idea of rest. And I want to read you this quote from Trisha Hershey of the Nap Ministry, who does a lot of work around rest as a form of rebellion but and resistance, but also rest as a form of reparations. And she has this nice quote that says, the systems make us hard. Rest keeps us tender. There is power in our collective rest and care. And so, Part of what's important about this, that there is there is a, a power in our collective rest and our collective care. And we need to rest. Right. Because your mind needs rest. Your body needs rest. Your spirit, your psyche. You need to rest. There is uh, several research studies that I've come across recently, um, medical studies that they're noting that folks in their 30s and 40s are having strokes 
at significantly higher rates than people in their 60s. And part of what they're attributing it to is this sense of busyness. And if you work in a school or in a district, um, at a university, um, even in a nonprofit space doing education work, whatever type of sector you work in, um, this work, it's hard. This work, it is. it can be overwhelming. It, it can take a, a major toll on your physical body, your psyche, your emotions, your spirit. And then when you think about the ways in which racial justice work intersects with what we feel in our body, the racism that we actually experience in our body, the 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 oppression as it is like it we psychologically and emotionally feel it. Like we need to have rest. Right. And and like one of my professors told me in undergrad, we don't need any more martyrs in this work. Like we need you here. We need you alive. We need you fresh. We need you well. And part of the ways that happens is getting rest. Now, one of the things that exemplifies this is when I was in graduate school, um, my the the laptop that I was using, I I went through like three laptops. Um, And, you know, in part, the reason was like the batteries kept dying on my laptops and, you know, what I ended up finding out um, from one of my um, people that was going to school with me is that when, at least what the person told them as they were fixing the computers and stuff like that, that the, the laptops were created to actually be turned off at night, right? And so if, like me, I just kept my laptop on, I just charged it, even when I'm working, it was not... But the the goal was that you should turn it off, not just sleep it, but actually turn it off and restart it again the next day when you get back up to work. And if you engaged in that practice, it maintained a longevity or a longer lifespan for your battery. And I tell you that because similarly for us, we can just never shut off. Right. We're always on. Even if we get connected to power, um, like the laptop being connected to the power source and is plugged in. It's getting recharged, but it's never getting an opportunity to rest. Right. So there's one thing to be recharged, but there's another thing to rest and recharge. Right. And so I am inviting and encouraging you to rest now, you know, based on our our lived experiences, everyone doesn't have access to rest in the same ways. And I understand that and I get that. And I'm also asking you, what do you have access to? Are there micro opportunities for you to rest? Are there micro opportunities for you to unplug? Because this work isn't going anywhere. And the reality is, is that this is intergenerational work for us to do. And we need you here. And so one of the things I want you to think about like, how do you rest, right? Do you find rest through reading? Do you find rest through uh, sleeping? Do you find rest through meditation? Do you find rest through being in community with folks? Do you find rest through um, exercise? What is it that allows for you to have that space of rest? Because we need you to be recharged. We need us. That's why it's called recreation. The etymology of that word is to recreate. Like recreation is supposed to be a space where you can recreate, right? That, that But we need the rest so that we can recreate. And so I want to encourage you and invite you into practicing rest as a form of resistance, as a form of engaging in this work for the long haul. One of the things Trisha Hershey talks about in the NAP ministry is thinking about rest as resistance is this idea that, you know, us living in being socialized in very white supremacy, capitalistic societies and ways of knowing and being where there's always the next thing is always urgency is always now it's always um, productivity fast, more efficiently, more leanly right now. 
and and I'm not saying anything is inherently wrong with being productive because we want we want our work to be productive. I'm not saying there's anything wrong for um, inherently of getting things done. But what I'm saying is that when those things come at the expense of your psychological, your emotion, your spiritual, your physical health, then we have to pause. Right. Um, I've told this story several times on this podcast, but there have been twice already in my life. Um, where I thought I was having a heart attack. Um, this work had just so overwhelmed me once in my 20s and once in my 30s. And so um, we need to be around to do this work. And part of being around to do this work is to rest. So I want to invite you into resting. Find the place of rest for you because it will make your work deeper, more profound, and last longer. The next practice that every educator should engage in is to recommit and to reflect. I'm putting those together as as kind of I'm, I'm holding those two together. Right. So after you've um, and as you continue to rest, there is space in place for us constantly to be in the work of recommitting and reflecting. And one of the things about commitment is. Um, we should revisit our commitments, right? <laughs> um, we shouldn't put our commitments on autopilot um, in perpetuity to never come to them again, because commitments are commitments are doing the things that you set out to do, even after the feeling leaves, right? You know, you can set out say, "I'm, I'm, we gonna do this work around racial justice in our school." Soon as the first faculty meeting or a professional learning community or uh, a, a meeting with a family goes awry, you like, well, "Bump this! I ain't doing this mess no more," right? <laughs> but the commitment piece is like. I am going to do what I am committed to doing, even as the feelings and the conditions and things start to shift and change. I'm anchored in this. And this is why I think with the the recommitment, but also the reflection, I think there are three things that we should constantly recommit to. Number one is the work, right? What What is the work specifically that you're engaging to do? One of the things that we know is that in this racial justice work, you can't do everything all at the same time, right? And so, like, what is the specific work that you are committed to doing, right? What is that primary focus? What may be that secondary focus? Like, what is what, what is the work that you're committing? I'm committing to working with um, the school leaders at my campus. I'm committed to working with families and communities and, and with black youth. I'm committed to whatever that commitment may be, for an example, those are just examples, whatever those commitments may be for you, I think is important for us to revisit those. And during the summer, it's a beautiful time to recommit because we have we're, we're engaging in these cycles of rest, but we're also thinking about um, the new school year that we're coming into. And so recommitting, uh, number one, to the work and specifically, what is the work that you're committed to? Number two, um, I think there's imp- uh, is, is important to recommit to the people. Who are the people that you're engaged in this work with? Who are the people that you're collectively um, doing this 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 work of racial justice with? Right? Who are you coming alongside of? Who's coming alongside of you? Who are the communities like like who like the people recommitting to the people that you're engaged in this work with? Um, I think that's uh, could be very beneficial and fruitful as you think about your recommitment. And then the third thing to recommit to is the place, right? 
the place. Like I'm, I'm committed to this district. I'm committed to the school. Um, you may realize when you're looking at your recommitments, like I'm not committed to them. <laughs> like I'm about to throw the deuces. It's time for me to dip on up out of here. Right. So, and, and that's cool, but it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing when you've had an opportunity to engage and rest and then approach your commitments with a sense of honesty, with a sense of being refreshed, with a sense of renewal, um, and then you can recommit to something else. And that's the beauty of constantly engaging with our commitments is that we can realize I want to recommit to a different position. I want to recommit to a different role. I want to recommit to a, a, a different um, community of practice as I do my racial justice work. But along with recommitment is reflection. And I love this beautiful quote I heard one time is that reflection turns experience into insight. It is the idea that reflection turns experience into insight. Like if, if when we are able to pause and to stop and to take stock and to take inventory of our experiences, we can draw from the reservoirs of those experiences and they can become insights in our way forward as we work to build racially just schools. And there are a couple of things as we reflect that we should take inventory of. I think um, it's important for us to take inventory of how we show up in this work of racial justice, right? And thinking about all of our intersecting identities of of race and and class and gender and gender identity and um, the ways in which we show up in this work are super important, but we need to reflect on like, how did I show up in this work uh, more recently over this past school year? Another thing is super important is um, we need to reflect on how you're engaging in space. And what I mean by that, like, how do we reflect on like, how am I sharing space? How am I holding space? How am I when is needed to take space? Another thing that may be useful and helpful um, is to reflect on our relationships in this work, right? Like, how do we, who are we in relationship with, right? Are there opportunities where we've, um, you know, succumbed to the system and we've engaged in race, relationships over people and on them and trampling on them? Like, this is an opportunity for us to reflect on the relationships we have in this work. And it, you, to do racial justice work in isolation and by yourself, it just, it, it ain't gonna happen. It won't work. Like, we have to be in relationship with folks um, to have those deep roots as we are really trying to do some radically, profoundly different things as we think about what schooling has been, um, not only in this country, but across the globe. So re- recommitting and reflecting are two practices um, that are important for us to constantly be engaged in and to intentionally engage in during the summer. The third practice I want to share with you today about what um, every educator should do um, during the summer, but again, constantly, is this practice of redreaming. Ah, yeah, to redream, right? To 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 really redream about how things could be radically and significantly different as we think about education, right? To redream. And as I think about this idea of redreaming, that our dreams should not be predicated solely on the past or, you know, the current arrangements in which we're in. Right. So, the, the in other words, like the possibility of what can happen um, 
with schools and um, the black experiences in education and with this work of racial justice should not be limited by and eclipsed by the white supremacy, anti-black, systemic racist realities that occur right now in schools and in districts. But I'm saying like there should be a redreaming that is based on and it is predicated on what could be that's not hindered by what currently is, if that makes any sense. But the dreaming, the dreaming, the dreaming is dreaming beyond the, the current standardized testing. So the dreaming is thinking beyond the current curriculum. The dreaming is thinking beyond the current power relationships that exist in our schools and in our districts, but the space to redream. And one of the things I've been doing this summer in my redreaming is I've been drawing out those dreams, right? I've been trying to use art in more creative uh, venues and avenues to express those dreams just beyond just writing it out. And I think writing it out is super important. Um, but I think there's something that gets tapped, at least in my brain, when I think about creative ways in which to um, redream again, right? Thinking about got my crayons out, uh, got my pencils out and coloring and got the paint out. Just thinking about what are the creative ways in which we can redream again. And so I want to invite you into this process to redream because I don't think any of us got into this work um, just to maintain the status quo. I don't think any of us got into this work just to um, succumb to a white supremacy, anti-black settler colonial system. No, the, we wanted to redream radical possibilities and more racially just futures in our schools. And so I want to invite you into this practice of dreaming as a part of your work as someone who is collectively engaged in creating and cultivating and fostering racially just schools. Well, I hope you found that useful. Um, these three practices that, again, I think we should constantly be engaged in, but definitely during the summer um, to try to center some intentionality around these three practices, which are to rest. The second practice is um, being to recommit and to reflect. And then that third practice being to redream. Right. These are things we should constantly always be anchoring in our practice as um, racially just practitioners, uh, collaborators and doers of this work and embodying this work. And so I hope you found that useful. Um, please share it with some friends, colleagues, you know, as school years start up, as school years get going. It can be so, so difficult um, to find rest, to recommit and to redream. And so creating that intentional space um, is vitally important um, so that we can continue to do this work the way that it needs to be. All right. I hope you got something out of that. In the words of my boy, old Marty Ma, see you when I see you. Peace. Well, that is it, folks. Thank you so much for joining the Just Schools podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I am so excited and really looking forward to our time together during future podcasts. What I need you to do is to please hit the subscribe button, share with a friend, and please leave a review. Love reviews. And if you want to hear more from me, you can head on over to www.raciallyjustschools.com. That is www.raciallyjustschools.com. When you join our community, I have a free video for you on three tips that will make your racial justice work better. And again, if you love the show, hit subscribe, rate it, and leave a review on iTunes. And until next time, peace.